0: Welcome to the Hybrid Pub Scout podcast with me, Emily Einelander. We're mapping the frontier between traditional and indie publishing, and today's guest is Joan Conti. Joan Conti, they them, is an educator, a poet, and the CEO of Trans Book Box. Joan is also trans, non binary, queer, and disabled. Joan developed Trans Book Box while unemployed during the pandemic and sought to build a box that dedicated more than a book a year to trans representation. Trans Book Box is a quarterly subscription service that supports trans voices. All books are recent releases by trans authors. All art is created exclusively for the box by trans artists. All products included in the box are sourced from trans businesses. Lastly, the Trans Book Box team are trans. Their mission is to support trans artists while creating safe spaces for trans readers. They value social change and have a commitment to donating excess profit to trans-run organizations that better the lives of trans individuals. Welcome, Joan. Hi, glad to be here. Um, So tell me the story of how you started Trans Book Box. Yeah,
1: so it was during the pandemic. It was in the mid, in the summer of 2021, and at the time I had recently been laid off from a cafe I was working at part-time, and it was kind of a shock. I was sort of wondering like what am I going to do with my life now? I had been in a long-term um professional-based job search at that point for over a year and was making no headway on top of that. And so it was just sort of this period of feeling kind of helpless and like I wasn't making a good impact on the world because I wasn't able to use my degree or my skills to assist anyone. And I thought, okay, well, what can I do to make meaning? And hilariously, this coincided with the fact that one of the more larger and well-established fantasy book boxes out there um, of which I will not directly name here, had a scandal um, because they decided to include Harry Potter merchandise in their box. Um, there's stuff all online about it, but basically they they later on sort of apologized. But at the time they were like, oh, we don't have any apologies if we lose um, subscribers for this move because we surveyed Um, you know, our people that are subscribed to the box, and most of them were not offended by this. Well, I was offended, and so were many other people who were subscribed to the box. And so that was sort of the momentum was I was like, okay, well, how can I be the positive change, the flip side of this? And I thought about it and realized that most of the book boxes that I knew of or were subscribed to usually only focused one or less than one book a year on trans voices. And I wanted to do the opposite of that. I wanted a book box that was only about trans books and was exclusively for, you know, trans representation, trans artists, trans creators, um, and definitely would not have Harry Potter merchandise. Um, So that was sort of the momentum. And I was really lucky. My mentor, um, Renee works with the feminist book box out of Minneapolis. Um, and I have been a longtime subscriber to that book box and loved Renee. And I reached out and I was like, Hey, would you be able to tell me all about how to make a book box happen? And to this day, she has been my biggest supporter. Anytime I have a question, I just reach out via email and I get a really quick answer. And it was really nice to have that connection of someone who already knew what to do and had already done it and had a whole bunch of tips and just... Was just a huge supporter of the concept of having a box that was based around, you know, having and featuring trans voices constantly and consistently. So, sort of how we got started.
0: Do you know of anyone else doing that at this point?
1: No, I do have so another set of colleagues and awesome friends who run the Rainbow Crate. The Rainbow Crate is an exclusively LGBT centered book box. And so they do tend to center several trans voices a year. So more often than just once a year, which is great. They're also a monthly subscription service. They're doing really amazing. So, like, I always suggest people check them out. Um, but they're really the only ones out there that are also featuring trans voices consistently. Mm -hmm. And they have, again, been just like an amazing resource as they've been at this quite a few years as well. Um, But outside of them, there really isn't anyone else that I've seen who is doing
0: this kind of work. So well, then thank you. And also thank you for the recommendations. I have written them both down.
1: Yeah, we're a pretty big Uh, The one thing I have learned is that the book box community is really, a really supportive community. Like we are all out here to help one another and not to be like direct competition. So that's always been really cool.
0: So in the past, what has been your relationship to books, reading and writing? And how did it lead you to where you are now with, you know, particularly the contacts you've made and mentorships you've found as well?
1: Yeah, so I always uh, like to tell people about uh, my favorite story, which is how I became a reader. So as a young kid, when it became time in school to learn how to read, I learned how to read but didn't tell anyone I knew how. I pretended I didn't know how because I thought that people could, you know, control my life. Um, If they knew I could read, it was hilarious, I had a whole conspiracy theory going. So I didn't actually let people know I could read until I was about 10, 11 years old. Um, But at that point, I had already been reading all of the textbooks off of my dad's shelf from college, um, just in secret. So I have been a reader for a very long time and read obsessively. I went to school to get a writing degree. So my specialty is poetry, which um, is really niche, a really niche uh, genre to be a part of. Um, and then sort of I went into focusing my life on books. I was on BookTube for a while. I had a BookTube channel for about a year between 20, early 2021 and early 2022. And that was an insightful experience. It really got me reading even more than I already was um and this this now this book box is my biggest connection to reading and my biggest fuel to keep reading has been to really dedicate a lot of my reading time to finding all the trans books and reading as many of them as possible
0: as someone who uh also wanted to stay connected to books in terms of a self-motivated project i totally understand the de- the desire and the drive to be like well. You know, for example, I am working at a cafe, but I still want to stay attached to books. So I'm going to do my own thing and do it my way. So, what goes into each uh, trans book box package?
1: Yeah. So, right now, our book boxes are primarily based around two main components, which is a book and art. So, our books are now. consistently signed books, which is really amazing. I've made really the effort to get in touch with authors and really communicate with them, sort of that it would be great to have these books signed so they are signed. Um, And then we hire on an artist to basically make a postcard type art print, as well as a bookmark that has art themed around the book. So it features either the characters or something connected to the theme of the book, um, and those are also included. And then we've been working really hard to include usable items. We've featured things in the past, like pins. We've also featured candles. Um, we've had like towels. Um, and I'm, I'm still brainstorming what the next usable item is gonna be. One of my things that I'm trying to think about is how we can mesh sort of the art that we're already creating and the usable items so that they like feature both objects in one. Um, And then really on top of that, just to add value to the box, we have a newsletter, which I print and include in the box, but also that is emailed to our mailing list, which includes people who, you know, might not be subscribed to the box, but want to see what we're doing. So we do have a newsletter. And then I also um make sure to have an interview with the author it's usually on our instagram sometime in the two months following the book box and that's also available to everyone but we really try to see if we can get questions from our subscribers about things they might want to ask the author during the interview
0: that's so cohesive and so the uh, usable item is that also in the same way as the art sort of thematically tied into whatever book you're using yeah, so I kind of just
1: pick it based on sort of what I think might go well with the box and also sort of where my connections are. So usually the, the items are sourced through trans businesses. And so I sort of think of like, oh, who do I know that's making things right now? And who can I have a connection with? So that tends to be a bit, little bit stronger than the theme of the box. But it would be nice to in the future have it be sort of a mesh of both. Who do I know that makes stuff? And how does it connect to the book? hmm
0: And are those usually local people or are they people you know remotely mostly?
1: Yeah, so it's been from all over. The candles we featured were actually a connection through my mentor, Renee. She had worked with this company called Homebody Candles, Minnesota, and they're a Minnesota-based company. And they also have a book subscription service that's a used book subscription service. They send like a random used book based on your reading taste with candles. So they're also an um, amazing resource for that. But I knew that they were trans run and made really nice candles. And I had in my mind candles are what go with this box. So that was sort of what put that one behind. We also, when I featured some towels, um, I think that was in my first box. That was also through a connection with the feminist book box. They had connected with um, a small business that was run by a teenage trans girl who was creating art. Um, And so it's just sort of been like, where do I where do I find these connections? I've also been thinking if I could like head out to, you know, um, some more farmers markets and things this year to see if there are any local people that I could find and connect with and contract with, because that would be really great.
0: That is a great idea. So for the books themselves, would you say that you gravitate toward any particular genre? Yeah,
1: so we've actually had a pretty good mix of genres. I think the thing that has been pretty consistent so far is we have featured a little more young adult voice than we have adult voice. And so I'm hoping to balance that out this year. It's definitely difficult when you run a quarterly subscription service because you only have four options a year to really work with and, you know, play around with. Um, But we featured a variety of different things. Our goal really, or my goal, I should say, is like to make sure that each box has a different set of representation so that we're evenly displayed. So different types of trans voices, you know, mixing it up so that we have non-binary voices. We have gender fluid voices. We have trans mask and trans femme voices, but also that we have disability rap. We have BIPOC rap. We have a variety of LGBT rap, like making sure that it's not always dominated by one specific set of voices. And so that has been more of the thing I've been mixing up. Um, I did just do an annual survey of my subscribers and it seems like fantasy and thriller were the two genres people liked the most. So that gives me at least a little bit of fuel on what I might be looking for coming up this year. Um, Because ultimately I want it to be something that is built by and for the subscribers. So like whatever it is they really want to see is what I would also like to put forward with, you know, on top of my mission of making sure that we have a variety of voices inside of our boxes.
0: I can imagine finding books like that or even, you know, a fantasy slash thriller um, (laughs) could probably inspire some fun conversation among the people who are subscribed. Um, Do you have a community where people talk about the books and the items that they get?
1: So, yeah, I, when I started this off, I started off by having a Discord community. And unfortunately, most people didn't really interact with the Discord. It has sat very dead despite me trying. I tried in the beginning to like post in each of the like subsets of chapters my thoughts in each milestone of the book and realized that no one was really... Um, engaging with that. And I realized, you know, through my survey that a lot of the subscribers were very honest and that they never use the discord. So this year, my plan is to shift to a more kind of virtual book club format. So I'm asking all of my subscribers, their availability and hoping to create a zoom meeting where we can meet and talk about the book. And so hoping to do that each quarter so that we have like a physical presence. But then also in those meetings, I hope that I can get some information from people on ways that they would maybe like to connect or how much level of community they would really love to have, because, you know, that was a big part of my inspiration for this. Like a lot of book clubs, a lot of book boxes don't have a book club component. It's just kind of you read on your own. And my mentor actually does have a very good community. Um, She runs her community through like Zoom book club meetings zoom meetings with the author and um through mighty networks which is kind of like become kind of an alternative to facebook it's like facebook ask but kind of an online thing where you can make posts and comment and stuff so
0: can you say the name of that one more time mighty networks uh, my D. how do you spell that
1: uh m-i-g-h-t-y
0: okay oh oh okay mighty got it <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's sort of a new, new age. I think it came out like a year ago or maybe two years ago, version of like Facebook that's supposed to be like more socially equitable and ad free.
0: Uh, yeah, so. I, I feel like a lot of us are kind of in this uh, social media liminal spi- space right now where we're trying to decide where the best place to go next is um, since there's been so much decimation of the ones that we've used in the past.
1: Yeah. So definitely that has been also my goal is like to figure out what social media do my subscribers use and like what is their favorite. So far, it seems like Instagram is winning over Twitter. Most people apparently have ditched Twitter at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, So that also came through in the survey. People were like, yeah, Instagram is where I go to find all my information. So it's really important to know where your subscribers are.
0: (laughs) I mean, I guess I can see doing some Instagram live sessions.
1: yeah that could also be an option as well Mm -hmm.
0: it sounds like you do a really good job pulling people um and listening to your subscribers instead of having it kind of be a one-way broadcast sort of situation
1: yeah and that was that was intentionally a part of the model because i felt like you know i think it's important to feel like as a subscriber you have control over what's gonna happen I feel like a lot of book boxes just make stuff happen and sort of, you know, I I have seen, you know, annual surveys and stuff, but I would really like to do more than that. Um, Eventually, if I get a big enough subscriber base, I would like to have voting on books, like just putting forth options for the box and having people vote and choose whatever it is that most people want to read. So that's also a future goal of mine.
0: Yeah, very book clubby, like uh, there's something so personal about that, that feels like it's connected to something older. And I I love that. Um, So how do you get the books themselves? Um, And do the sizes of the publishers play into that at all? Um, Do they cooperate with you or do you just buy the books yourself? How's that work?
1: Yeah, so most, most publishers have a place where you can register with them as a bookseller and you're a small bookseller is basically why it is. And that includes book box subscription services and like extremely tiny bookstores. Um, Basically, how I've gone about picking books is sort of two ways. One way has been sort of doing research on what are the new releases coming up and trying to pick something that you know, has a different voice we haven't featured before. And then the second way this has happened is publishers have personally reached out to me saying that they have a book they would like me to feature. And it's sort of a mix. Definitely, so big publishers, they have great discounts. That is really the hard part to get away from. Like I get, you know, 60 to 50% off my orders with large publishers, which is a game changer as well as free shipping because they have, you know, the mode to do that. Whereas a lot of smaller publishers give, a lot smaller discounts, and then you also end up paying for shipping. I have worked with two small presses. Um, I was trying to think of the name. So I've worked, I'm currently working um, with a Canadian small press called Arsenal Pulp, Arsenal Pulp to get our, uh, our book for April. And then I have also reached out in the past and worked with, um, what's their name? I wrote this down. And then I like, got uh Tachyon Press um and they reached out to me with a book back in October and they were amazing to work with and one thing i have learned is so like smaller publishers you get just so much more contact like it's just better communication and like they're really helpful with making connections with authors on you know on your behalf whereas with bigger publishers it's a lot ha- more hands off and like a lot of the contact that i do with the author is on my own time and sort of like personally stalking their website and trying to get in, in communication with the author um, i would like to work with more smaller presses that's been a big goal of mine um, unfortunately a lot of smaller presses that reach out to me reach out with poetry and um i've surveyed my subscriber base twice on just like would they be down for poetry and overwhelmingly they're not interested in poetry which is really sad because i'm a poet <laughs> But yeah, that's really sad, especially because it would be nice to feature it at some point. But it it's just such a large cost for such a small piece of reading. And I think that's also what turns a lot of people off. Like they want to feel like their value is giving them like a full length novel. Um, so that's also something I've had to think about. Is like, as much as like I would like to feature poetry as it's something my subscribers would want and hopefully someday in the future that is something we're able to do. Um, but I do, anytime an author reaches out to me or a publisher reaches out to me, I do make sure to feature their work in our newsletter and put information about their books onto our Instagram because I feel like it's really
0: important to get the word out about all the stuff that we're hearing about. S- sneak a poem or two into your newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I know that I have trouble not kind of forcing my taste on my audience sometimes, (laughs) but, um, you know, it's all in good fun. So what are some of your chosen organizations that you donate to or recommend donating to?
1: Yeah. Hilariously. Um, when I started this business, I was under the impression that I would turn a profit um, and that has not actually happened. (laughs) And when I talk to a lot of my colleagues um, in the book box world, unfortunately, they also don't really turn a profit, um, which is it is really telling and kind of sad. Sometimes there's just so much that goes into the box that like is just overhead that you don't think about and then ends up taking all of your money um my goal at some point here will be this year to make a donation is my plan if we can keep on saving up money and then whatever excess profit we make this year can go to our first donation which would be really great um i do know that both the feminist book box and rainbow crate who are you know my my friends they donate a lot to a variety of organizations which do include trans-based organizations and so that's something that I would like to get a list from them. There are also several uh, local places that I donated to personally. I did uh, a drive one year where I crocheted a bunch of uh, queer flagged bees. They were like bees that in the middle of them, their stripes were based on different flags and it was custom order. And I took all the proceeds of that and I donated that to New Avenues for Youth, which is, a local organization that basically acts as a shelter for homeless youth, specifically queer youth and trans youth. Um, they help people all the way up to age 25 and then they also give them like work skills class and college entrance classes and stuff that help them get back on their feet. Um, and so that's an organization I've donated to a few times. Um, I would also love to make a donation to the trans lifeline as I feel like they're doing a lot of really good work and are sort of, uh, you know, they haven't really affiliated themselves with the current legislature on the 988 hotline, which is where all the money is going to for hotlines right now. And so it would be good to give them a donation as well.
0: Maybe a little bit more specialized in their knowledge.
1: Yes. The Trans Lifeline is a crisis hotline specifically for
0: trans people. Great. So if someone wanted to subscribe to your box, what would they do?
1: Yeah. So our website is transbookbox.com. If you go there, it has all of the options. We have, you know, quarter to quarter payments. We also have lump sum payment options as well. Basically, you just sign up there and then we send you a box. It's uh, very straightforward.
0: Easy. <laughs> um, we and also so-
1: have a mailing list. So that That form is also on our website. So if anyone wants to go there, there's a button that says, like, sign up for our mailing list and you can enter your email and then we add you to our mailing list.
0: Is your email list, does it also just come out quarterly or is it a little more frequent than the actual send out? Yeah, it's currently
1: a quarterly newsletter, and so I'll be sending out the January newsletter in a little bit here. And all of the quarterly newsletters include information on as many trans books that came out during that quarter as I could find. So if people are looking for massive amounts of recommendations for trans books, that's basically the highlight
0: of the newsletter. How do you approach that research?
1: Yeah. So I do a lot of reading articles that people have written. So not reinventing the wheel, but also just looking at any author I know about that's trans and seeing if they have any books coming out. I have a massive list of trans authors. And so it's just a lot of like looking at people's social media accounts and Googling their names and putting their names into Goodreads and seeing if anything comes up. And then I also have the form on my website that's like, if you're an author, tell us about your book and whenever people tell us about their book, whether they want to be featured or not, that ends up in our newsletter as well. And so that also adds to our list of authors we know about, which is incredibly useful for situations where people are maybe self-published or working through smaller presses and might be harder to find their information.
0: Yeah, I was just about to ask about the self-published thing. So that answers that question. Um, do you do you look for self-published authors or are those mostly the ones who are coming to you?
1: They're mostly the ones that are coming to us, but sometimes it happens the other way around. The book that I'll be featuring in our next box in April um, is Hazel Jane Plant. And um, I basically learned about her book through listening to one of my favorite podcasts, which is Gender Reveal. And Gender Reveal yeah. is another local podcast. They're centered here in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I've run ads on their podcast as well before. So that has also been really helpful for finding community. And like people are like, oh, I'm an author and I listened to the podcast and heard your ad and like, I want you to know about my book. Mm-hmm. So that's been really helpful. But yeah, they had an episode where uh, they were interviewing Hazel Jane Plant and I needed a book that had a specific voice and that was the voice I was looking for. And that's a small press out of Canada. And so that's what I'm working on right now as my current project.
0: Great. So where else can people find you online? Your website is transbookbox.com and you're on Instagram also?
1: We are on Instagram under transbookbox. We are also still, unfortunately, but importantly, I guess on Twitter and we're just book trans on Twitter
0: apparently. I had like a hybrid pub scout on Instagram for a while and then for some reason my account got shut down or suspended or something. I don't know what I did. And so that's why it's like a different name than everything else because it was just like, okay, well, I guess I can't have my own name anymore and no one else can either. So weird stuff on the internet happens, but we adapt, don't we? (laughs) Yeah, that is very true. Is there anything else, um, any authors, any causes or just any book-related thoughts you have that you'd like to uh, speak to right now?
1: Yeah, I think really the the biggest thing I want to add is just like how important it is for publishers specifically to be looking at trans authors and to be publishing their work. One thing I did, um, just a quick piece of dirty math at the end of last year and looked up how many books in general I had on my list uh, that were published by trans authors, which obviously is not the whole picture, but I took that number and then I took the number of traditionally published books per year and basically it came down to less than 1% of traditionally published books were featuring trans voices. And that's an incredibly small number. Like when I send out the newsletters, obviously it looks like a lot, but when you think about just how many other, how many books in general were being published each year, it's just such a small number. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important that publishers be doing more and that they're looking for these books and that they're trying to get these books published. And I think that's where, you know, indie publishing is doing a lot more because there are a lot of presses out there that are working really hard to get minoritized voices featured, voices we don't normally hear from. And I feel like large publishing isn't really as focused on that. They like pick the flashy books or the books that, you know, are going to be extremely popular, which is great. But it also leaves so much that doesn't happen. And I would love one day to be just so overwhelmed by choice that I can't even decide what to feature in my box. That would be great. But right now, the numbers are just incredibly small.
0: And 1% is not representative of of the population of trans people in this country or the world in any way whatsoever.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't even remember what the number is last surveyed. I think it's like larger in youth, but that's just, I think because more studies have been done to figure out how many youth identify as trans or non-binary at this point as compared to adults. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and also maybe just have an easier time talking about it or feel safer coming out despite, you know, the crackdown apparently that's happening.
1: Yeah, that's definitely one thing that I tell people all the time. Like people are like, oh, you know, it's the youth, it's the hip thing. Everyone wants to be trans or non-binary. And I'm like, I don't really think that's the case. I think it's just a very good thing when I say this, that people feel like they're able to come out at a younger age. They're able to talk about it at a younger age. Whereas I think for a lot of us who came out a bit later in life, Um, and had that realization later on, it wasn't because we weren't always trans or non-binary, just we didn't know, we didn't have the language, there wasn't a way to talk about it yet. And so I think that that's also very important that we keep that in mind. And I would love to, to be able to, you know, right now a lot of the books that I feature are young adult and I would like to move into also featuring a lot of adult voices and featuring voices by trans people who did come out later in life and found their voice at a much later age.
0: Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, oh, I want to be trendy thing for me. It was more just like, why am I crying all the time?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love, I love the argument that like, that being trans can be trendy. And like, have you ever tried it? Because uh, it's kind of (laughs) hard.
0: Have you ever talked to someone who isn't online and tried to explain like who you are to them? (laughs) I don't know. I'm. I'm. Sometimes I'm just like, well, I've been a weirdo my entire life anyway. So if they don't get it, that's basically just par for the course. As long as they're not assholes to me, um. But I know that's just my feelings and not the same as everyone else. But yeah, it's it's not a it's not an easy even even when you have a relatively cushy life. Like I will admit, I do. It's 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 not the cushiest part of it for sure, but worth it. I'm happy
1: yeah same um i'm incredibly happy with the way my life is and that has also been a driving force for keeping this business going i think one thing you know that my mentor has told me many times is most small businesses don't make it past the third year and i just made it past year one so i'm one third of the way towards surviving and you know it's really important to to focus on that especially at a time when you know i finished my first year of business in debt which was not where i wanted to be And I hope to finish the second year of my business, not in debt. But I think the thing sometimes is like, if you want to do something subversive, and in this case, you know, it is, it is subversive, it's very political to run a book box called the trans book box. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I want to be doing this for the right reasons. And, you know, the right reasons don't include making money that wasn't on my list, not saying that there's anything wrong with being a small business and wanting to make a profit because business should turn you a profit. But I realized for me and for the model, I'm trying to create a model where I can be my full self, where I can be trans, where I can be disabled and run a small business that maybe turning a profit isn't my main goal. But my main goal is instead to make a community and to build the thing that I've I've worked so hard to make.
0: Well, and I think that's probably also a big part of the reason that you have trouble finding or, or you have found the certain proportions you have of trans books from big publishers just because the more laws come out saying that you can't carry these books in libraries or bookstores um, the less profit incentive there is. And we know just based on behavior, especially in the last few years that they're really doubling down on how that's the point for them, that it's all about the business, you know, can't pay your workers more. Um, don't mm. want to, don't want to take a risk on anything that might not make a lot of money. Um, so, the fact that you are doing something that isn't as popular and isn't as uh, of sure of a thing means that it has to be a labor of love in some ways, and you have to actually care about it.
1: Yeah, and I—that's definitely the number one thing that I want all of my subscribers, your future subscribers, or even people who just care about my business to know—is like this is this is just a, a project that was made from a place of love and care, and from a place of wanting to do something activist like Um, and this isn't like just like a for-profit business I'm trying to run. And I want people to feel like they can reach out to me at any time and personally, you know, give feedback to the process and make it work for them the way they desire.
0: I mean, that also kind of brings to mind the fact that so many of the more popular trans or books or you know, basically books that are about anybody, but like white cishat people have been about the thing itself about the issue, um, perhaps trauma porn in a lot of situations. But it sounds to me like if you're making something that is for trans people as well, that you might have a little bit more focus on on telling a variety of stories, maybe trying to include a little bit of joy in it. Would you say that that's something that comes to mind for you?
1: Yeah, that is something that comes to mind. And we have featured, you know, books where trans joy is at the center of the story. We've also featured books that have a very heavy trauma uh, lens on them for, like, really bad things that have happened to trans people. And we also have had books where the books are set in queer normative worlds where it's just normal to be queer and normal to be trans and not something that, you know, is is questioned constantly. Mm -hmm. And so it's been interesting to see sort of a mix of what it is, what voices are out there and what to include as well, which has been um something that I would also love a lot of feedback from as far as subscribers. It's like, do they really want, you know, a mix of joy and pain? Or is there one that, you know, particularly is what they're looking for. But I think it's important for me and, like, for my sanity, at least, when I'm, like, reading all of these books, to have a mix, to have a mix where it's both, you know, it's really hard to be trans, but also, like, it's really joyful and amazing to be
0: trans as well. Well, Joan, um, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, you can find Hybrid Pub Scout, hybridpubscout.com, on Twitter, at Hybrid Pub Scout, on Instagram, at Hybrid Pub Scout Pod. Please leave us a nice rating and review. And Joan... I hope you have a lovely rest of your day and good luck with your book box. Thank you. And thanks for giving a rip about books.